remember what the name of my podcast is? Passing through a vegan. Passing through a vegan door podcast. Passing through a vegan door. That was close. That was close. The best thing to do is just get in someone to cut down a little bit. What the fuck are we doing to this planet? <laughs> 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 Does anyone have any final thoughts? What are you doing? You will die. I think that's inspiring for people to be part of it. Yeah, I reckon we do cohabitation part two. Because I like doing part twos. And we are now definitely moving together, so... Mm. Yeah, okay. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Do you want to do an icebreaker? Yeah, go on, hit me. Okay. Um, just give me. Hey, do you not introduce your podcast first? No, I'm going. I'm trying a new thing. Okay. We'll just go straight into it. Okay. Does the intro music, and then boom. Wow. Straight into it. Wow. That's what season two is about. Um. Okay. Give me your favorite color and your favorite film. I know that's going to be a difficult one for you. That would be Black and Whiplash. Oh, yeah, I knew that. Yeah, you didn't know that. Yeah, that's fine. Um, okay, we'll do Cohabitation Part 2, because... What what month are we on? Mar- uh, April? April yeah. So in, like, three months... Uh, we'll be living together. So we did cohabitation. When when did we do that? It was before I left. It was August. It's quite a while ago at this point. It was August. So in August, you said that by the time we lived together in a year's time, so we're nearly that, that you would be vegan in the house. Yeah. I know we've already talked about this over the first last few days while you've been here in the Netherlands. But... Um, What have you been up to? How's how's that journey? It's been an interesting journey. I mean, there was a point where I really thought I'd be able to do it. And then, I don't know, just with uni and being so busy all the time, I don't know, I think there's this like daunting idea that like being vegan takes a lot to do, like a lot of cooking, a lot of prepa- uh, preparation. And I just decided I would eat meat. And so I did. Um... And then, maybe about a month ago, I went into a new phase that, um, for lack of a better term, is just going to be the, like the fuck it state. <laughs> like it, it was, I was just like fuck it, right? And I basically just decided I was fed up of like being fussy with certain foods and not eating well or correctly. And so now, I just eat anything, and I don't enjoy food as much as I used to because I don't enjoy everything I put in my body, but it's healthier. And it's probably better for me in the long run because I'll learn to like these foods just so I don't like them the first time. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the new phase of my life I'm in where if it's put in front of me, I'll eat it. Um, and, yeah, whether I enjoy it or not, at least I know I'm putting good stuff in my body. Like, I just spent four days, five days um, shooting a film with friends where we all stayed in the same location. And um, our vegetarian, uh, once vegan crew member cooked for us all the time and so for four days five days i just ate whatever vegan food was put in front of me that was like chilies and pasta dishes and you know anything that was just lentils and beans and stuff like that and i just got on with it Mm. and i probably wouldn't have done that had i not entered this like 
fuck it stage where I'm just like, yeah, I need to get over myself. I need to eat better and I need to do my best to stop eating meat. Okay. I mean, I've said this before, but when I was your age, I was probably worse than you. I ate meat so much and I was so um, unwilling to try any things. Um, when I was 21, I lived with my girlfriend and she did most of the cooking uh, because I was terrible um, and I didn't know how to make things. I also didn't care about food. Like every day she would say, okay, what should we eat tonight? And I, I would say, I don't know. And she'd get annoyed at that. But it's because I don't care. I would, I, I don't really care. I didn't care about food. So whether you made this, 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 or we made that, or we went out, I didn't really care because I, I don't care about food. But now I do because I care about where it comes from. So I don't know. For me, I just went on a journey. So I, I started to think about what I was eating. And so then I would have to think about what I was making. So I'd have to try new things that I wasn't used to. Um, you know, when I was 21, I didn't like mushrooms. Uh, I didn't like tofu. I didn't like so much stuff that I is like a staple part of my diet now. And my girlfriend at the time always used to say, you know, just try these things because you'll eventually like them. And for me, I was like, but I don't, I don't want to like them because I, I already have food. Food already exists that I like and I get by on. But then when you change your diet, you have to try new things and be more open and then since then it is it is true like y you try have things for a certain amount of time and you begin to like them like she used to say that about tea and coffee because I don't drink tea and coffee but for me tea or coffee doesn't bring anything like people get addicted to coffee so why would I want to you know force myself to like coffee things like mushrooms that is healthy well, people do get addicted to mushrooms too. Like. That's a different type of mushroom though, isn't it? Like, things like mushrooms is a healthy option and it's easy to make and it's cheap and it's it's good for you and whatever. So to force myself to like them was a good decision and I eat mushrooms all the time now. Um, but yeah, do you think you would... Because obviously I've been away for nearly a year now. Do you think... If I was still around, you would have, things would have been different. Do you think you benefit from someone being there to help rather than you doing it on your own? Or do you think you would still be in the same kind of mental position? I don't think I would have benefited before this like new stage because I'm very stubborn. So I probably wouldn't have listened. Mm. But now that I'm in this stage where if you put it in front of me, I'll eat it, and you are a good chef who cooks vegan food, I'm more likely, if we were living together and you are like, this is for tea tonight, I would be like, okay, yeah, I'm eating it, whatever. So I might benefit more from it now than I would have before, which is probably a good thing. Because, um, th yeah, I think if it just stuck around before, I would have eaten more vegan food than I did in that time. I just don't think I'd have reached the point where I've I've reached now because I would have still been able to 
still cook for myself and stuff. I think a big problem was not eating as well. It was just getting to a point where I stopped eating. So I was like, right, I I need to eat something. So anything will do. So it's worked out a little bit weird, but we've kind of got back on track. Yeah, I get what you mean about being busy as well. Like if you just think we've you've come here for a few days and we've been busy and we've had McDonald's like seven times. So like if you you're making that if you're making a change to your diet, you need to you do need to have the time and kind of mental energy to decide what you're choosing because it is so much easier just to be like I'll just have the same thing I usually have. And then we can get on with whatever we're doing. So, like you said, if you're busy for a week doing a film, you've probably not got the time, but also like the mental ability to decide what you're going to make. And especially if it's something you're not used to, it takes even more. Um. So yeah, I do get that. But yeah, probably if I was home, we'd go out for food, and we'd usually go to like a vegan place. So you might probably have tried more. Um, I mean, even this morning, obviously, we came for vegan breakfast. Well, oh, yeah, we've just had... We've just been for vegan pancakes. It's one of those things, like, if we had had the option to go for vegan food, but it was because we were out with the people in a rush. Mm. I mean, we went for... I mean, my dish wasn't entirely vegetarian and vegan, but we went for um, Asian street food the night yeah. as well, which is something I probably wouldn't normally do. So we still made some time to kind of eat better and differently than just McDonald's. Yeah, it's like um, it's something you get used to, like having an eye for certain things as well. Like my my sister always tries to like buy me vegan food, and she always gets stressed out when she goes to the shop and she can't find where certain things are, and she thinks there's like nothing. But it's just because you're used to cert- in certain aisles every time, and you're used to looking for the same things. Like, when I go into a shop, all I see is the vegan things because that's what I'm looking for. Like, people have a bias and perspective on certain things. So she will always go to the meat and dairy aisles and she knows where they are and she's comfortable with where things are. And, well, um, I was like that, but then as you spend the time... But that's the thing, you, it does take time to change a habit. I read somewhere that, like, it takes takes like two weeks to pick up a habit a new habit but it takes two years to lose a habit or something so if you start biting your nails yeah for two weeks solid it'll take you two years to stop i don't know how true that is well i used to bite my nails and then i got braces for four years and i didn't bite my nails for four years because it hurt too much and i don't bite my nails anymore so. oh right so okay there is proof there yeah yeah cool some questions then yeah so I know you said that like a lot of the people you live with now in Amsterdam kind of in the line of work you're in might be vegan anyway but you've kind of brought some people around to the idea of it as well Mm. but how have you found it for probably the first time in a while like living with meat eaters and kind of how has that been for you navigating those conversations and that living space where people might be cooking meat in the same kind of areas as you I think I've just been taking every 
scenario as it comes um, and just seeing how I feel at the time rather than I probably used to be like, this is how I'm going to feel, so this is how it is. But now I'm just like, I'll I'll be in this situation and then I'll see, okay, this is how I feel about that. Um, like when I m- moved home for a few weeks before I came here and I was living with my family who were big meat eaters and I would open the fridge and there'd be meat inside and they'd be cooking meat all the time and the house would smell of eggs and dairy and all sorts. It makes you feel, it makes you feel sick physically because you have, have been mentally put off this scent and sight so it makes you feel physically sick but also it's upsetting because there's a dead animal in the kitchen. Um, so I was worried about moving away and having to live with people who do that but also are strangers so you can't I was gonna say confront you can't you can't talk to them in the same way you can talk to your family. Um but at the same time you get close to people really quickly so then you can start to have conversations about you know eating meat and things like that. But um certain things I've been okay with were I thought I wouldn't be okay with and certain things I've not been okay with when I thought it wouldn't bother me. Um, Like here in the Netherlands, everyone lives in one place rather than when I was in Ireland. There was different houses, so there was less people, so there's less food in the kitchen, less people making food. Um, But here there's like 10 people all the time. So... A lot of people in the house are vegetarian, so there's not a lot of meat, but then there's a few people who are, so... um, It's just about talking to them and making them aware of things that make you uncomfortable, and hopefully they will respond in a good way. So say that someone is defrosting a chicken on the side of the kitchen, then that upsets me so I'll just be like can you not do that because it is upsetting to walk in and seeing a dead chicken on the table okay but where where do they then defrost the chicken that, yeah I know I, I know that obviously the end goal isn't for you to be considerate of meat eaters but obviously a lot of meat eaters try and be considerate of you so how does it how have you found it like working both ways um people are considerate like they they will um they will if someone's used a pan that has meat in it they won't leave it on the side they'll wash it quickly um cuz if there's things on the side i don't want to do the washing up if there's you know meat or eggs like in a pan cuz that would make me uncomfortable um Whereas if, if someone's cooking vegan things and they're in a rush and they have to leave the pan on the side, it's not a big problem because I can I can just clean it and also the smell isn't bad and things like that. Um, but at the same time, a lot of people, like if we're having communal meals, it, they'll be vegan. Um, so it's not been a massive problem and we're in a place where we're rescuing animals so people aren't kind of so unaware of... Um, these kind of things but then obviously you get people who are, are really against it and, and stuff so um, I don't know it's, I think it's just been a learning curve for me and the people that I live with 
uh, I, I don't want to be such a burden, but at the same time, I have my own morals that I have to stick with. So, yeah, it's just been a learning curve, I think. Okay, so you briefly mentioned kind of the job of working with animals. So, second question. When I visited where you work, the seal sanctuary yesterday, I was hit by the overwhelming scent of dead fish mm. very quickly. And you said you couldn't really, you know, smell it. You got used to it. How have you found it now where you understand that for these seals to survive, you have to feed them dead fish? You know, are you the one preparing that kind of for them and you are feeding it to them? How, how have you found that aligning with your kind of lifestyle and morals? Yeah, when I first started in Ireland um, and I kind of quickly realised that this is part of the job where I have to um, defrost dead fish and prepare fish and blend fish up um, to make um, kind of a soup texture. So the... Um, younger seals who can't eat solid fish, you have to tube feed them. Um, when I first f- first came, I'm um, was messaging my friend Ronya a lot, who has done similar placements and is vegan. And she said that it's hard at first, but it's just something that you have you have to get used to it because otherwise you can't do the job and you can't get this experience and you can't help these seals um and a few other people at the placement were vegan as well and they had a a similar situation where unfortunately you've just got to kind of disassociate yourselves which is something that i'm against because that's the kind of whole problem of the society at the minute is that they disassociate themselves with a big mac and a living cow um so it's just kind of a back and forth in my head where okay seals eat fish anyway um it's 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 more that we are capturing these fish to then feed so it just depends how you think of it you can just think of it as you know i'm not actually contributing i'm just the messenger it's passing the fish to the seal because they can't do it themselves um i think that's the easiest way i can think of it but at the same time my more biggest concern is that other people will just continue this idea that it's okay to eat fish because seals eat fish when that's not the case we don't need to eat fish but seals need to eat fish so that's just something that i'm worried about because then visitors come in and we see, they see dead fish and especially kids see dead fish being thrown so they associate fish with food when they should associate it with part of a food chain that doesn't belong to us yeah i mean we don't eat smaller humans to survive do we we don't well, eat small humans some people, do. some people do but that's that's cannibalism yeah um Wait, what's your stance on cannibalism um i would eat a human okay if they weren't very nice no <laughs> no i'm joking but um but the thing is, with animals, it's that they don't have a choice. If someone consented to being eaten, would that be okay? No. No? No. No? Because... But y- you eat animals who don't consent. I understand. I think I think it comes... I think we mentioned this on the last one. It, it It's the rules that are instilled in us from a child. Okay, we are... 
raised to eat animals and we are shown it's okay. Always we are told not to eat humans, okay? So in my, my brain that has existed on this earth for nearly 22 years, I am like okay with eating animals, but not humans. Mm. Would you eat a seal? No, because again, we're instilled which animals are okay to eat. Mm. Like certain cultures have different animals that are instilled. Like um, my friend who's from Norway, he eats reindeer. Now, in Britain, I've never been in, it's never been instilled in me to eat a reindeer. Mm. So I don't have that like notion that it's okay to do. I think it genuinely is that point of how you're raised is, is where your morals lie. If if I was if you were my dad and you raised me vegan, I probably would then have this moral of eating animals is all always bad, mm. and I'd never go from that. But I was raised in a house where we ate meat, so it was okay. Um, yeah, I I think at, at some point in the future, because veganism is growing and growing and growing. Mm. It, don't get me wrong; it'll take hundreds of years, but there will be a point where it becomes more normalised because you will raise your child vegan, mm. and another vegan couple will raise their child vegan that we'll end up at a point where it's not instilled in people to eat meat from childhood. And it then becomes a choice when they get older whether they want to or not. Because whether you like it or not, it's one of those things I don't think the the universe, while you're on it, at least is ever going to stop eating meat. It is, you know, what, you're 24? If you live a really, really good life, you might have 100 years extra on this earth. Um, I I mean, I can't, within 100 years, seeing us just stopping eating meat. That's that's a, a long way off, but the best you can do is that you pass it down to the next generation, and teach you know another human being that we shouldn't be eating animals. I think that's about the best you can do while you're here. Sure. Yeah, I think the best thing I can do is if I can show one other person that eating animals is wrong, then I think I said in the last one that that is another individual who is not going to buy a dead animal for the next 50, 60 years that is a bigger impact than anything else I could do but the thing is about you eating different animals, you still are an intelligent person with empathy so would you slit a cow's throat? No No. Because I'm, I think Again, I'm taught murder is wrong. Whether murder is an animal or a human, mm. it's one of those pre-notions I have. I am taught murder is wrong, so I don't think I don't even think I could bring myself to do it. Mm. If, if I was forced to, like I just don't think I'd be able to do it. Um, yeah, at the end of the day, I think it all comes down to when you're introduced to these concepts. So I met you when I was nineteen, no twenty. I met you when I was twenty, so like a year and a half ago. And that was my first introduction to the concept of veganism. Mm. So I've only had a year and a half to kind of wrestle with these ideas and lifestyle choices, whereas I've had 20 years that was like, eat meat, it's okay, Okay. whatever. I think after a while, because I am a person with empathy and understanding, it'll take less time for me to transition Mm. at some point because... I can kind of grasp the notions now. I am sympathetic and I try my best, um, but I'm also human, so I'm not perfect. And I've eaten meat once while we've been here, every other time I've eaten. Um, But I ate meat once because I'm still me at the end of the day and I 
you know, it's just like autopilot. We go to a place and I order what I would usually order, but it'll get to a point where that's not second nature anymore, where I do take time and I consider, okay, what am I eating? Um, Where's it come from, these things? It'll just take some time. I mean, like, I've found that making small changes, again, going back to the last time we, we spoke about this, has been easier than I thought. So little things like I only buy vegan spread now, like butter and stuff, okay? It tastes the same. It's such an easy change to make. Why didn't I make it before? Okay, I've done that. I got rid of my leather wallet. I've got a cork wallet now. Such an easy change to make. The wallet is the same. It holds the same amount of cards and money. Such an easy change to make. Why didn't I do it before? And I'm just trying to do these little things now, okay? So, like, making sure that shampoo and stuff is vegan. But then I still slip. Like, I'm wearing a jacket that I bought in Amsterdam yesterday. I didn't check if it was vegan or anything. I just bought it because I liked it. Um... And I, again, I think I mentioned in the last one, but milk is still a huge problem for me. 21 years drinking milk. Like, I know the taste of it. I am used to having it every single morning on my cereal. And now I'm trying to introduce myself to other milks, which I have not enjoyed um, the taste of them. You know, they are kind of very different to me. Oat milk is the favourite, but I can still tell the difference. And when I enjoy how one tastes i still haven't quite rewired my brain to be like okay stop drinking the one you prefer because it's not good kind of as a lifestyle choice and for the environment stuff and drink this other one because at this point i still don't quite like the other one as much Mm. as i want to but again now that i'm at this like just get on with it phase i think now might be the best time for me to just write stop buying cow's milk just oat milk learn to enjoy it if i drink it Every day for a month with my cereal in the morning, at some point, I'll just get used to it. And my Weetabix will taste the same as they did with cow's milk on. Okay. That sounds cool. I think a a mistake people make is trying to compare them because they aren't the same product. So if you are comparing them, you will notice that they're not the same and you'll think, oh, I'm used to this and things like that. It's like the adjustment to veganism isn't... isn't um, shouldn't have a negative impact on your life. It should just be a different way of living. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, and it, it sounds like like you're like torturing yourself by like, oh, I'm just going to force myself to have this thing I don't like until I like it. Mm. But, like, the implications of you doing that are so positive for you and the world. And another way that has helped me is just to look at kind of the negative impacts of the other product rather than trying to find good things in the other because as soon as you start associating certain things, like the fact that cows cow milk is cow milk and it's breast milk and it's not good for you and it means that cows are tortured and killed in the production of it you you kind of just like this side goes down and just in kind of comparison this goes up so that's that's how it works for me anyway I think it's another thing as well to learn kind of I don't know how to phrase this properly, but like 
what I'm seeing is wrong. So I'll give you the I'll give you the example, and then you can kind of tell me what I'm feeling in better words than I'm going to describe. But um, I know a lot of people uh, like a, a clear route to veganism for them is watching like videos of cows at dairy farms and farms and what happens to them. Okay, and I was showing that video. And it made me feel uncomfortable. It made me feel like hot and sweaty, and I didn't like it. I still can drink, uh, continue to drink cow's milk after. Mm. Even though I'd been shown something that was like horrifying and I didn't like it and I knew it was wrong or anything, it's just because of how long I've done it, mm. I was able to just go, no, it's normal and get it out of like my brain immediately. So I don't know how to kind of encapsulate what I'm trying to say with that feeling, but it's like you could show me a video of what happens to chickens in like battery farms. Mm. And I don't think it would land with me the first time because I've eaten chicken for 21 years. I think it's that case of like, the more I see it, the more I, you know, eat vegan chicken and stuff, then eventually I'll get to the point where I'm like, I understand what this video is kind of teaching my brain. Mm. and I'm there with it. Like in fairness, chicken is something that I, I found easier to transition with as well. Um, tried a lot of different brands of uh, vegan chicken. I found one I really like, uh, VFC. So now I'm quite happy to just substitute chicken out with, VFC um, but yeah I think it's one of those things like I could watch the same video I watched with those cows over and over again and I just don't know how many times it would take for the kind of my brain to catch up with how my body feels with it mm. the thing is that everyone is different and everyone has a different um, thing that triggers them into change um, I talked about this with Sophie and Madison on an episode or two ago um, what I'm finding is like a good thing to do with this podcast is to find people's like trigger point trigger point yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I've explained mine before and the thing that got through to Sophie was the fact that milk isn't good for you in your body and how it's very fatty and it can like um, cause like um uh, breast cancer and things because of how fatty it is so that, that was something that she was passionate about um, are you trying to see if it's made of animals uh, that jacket I'm trying to find where the jacket it, it won't be because it looks just like denim it feels like denim yeah um, which is probably why I can't find any yeah. kind of materials I should just know it's denim because it feels like denim but I, I just thought it would be interesting to try and see the, the downside is I bought it in the Netherlands so it's in Dutch it's all in Dutch um, It'll be denim. It's made from Primark. It's from Primark, though. Yeah, so probably won't be from animals, but probably like a three-year-old like slave in Asia made it. Brilliant. Now I just feel even better about myself. It's a terrible world. Yeah. Uh, I have just learned that I should wash it inside out. Oh, it's 100% cotton. Okay. Cool. cool. Uh, cotton, that's surprising. Yeah. It, I mean... Look, I think it's got a denim look, but it doesn't mm. feel like denim. We've gone horribly off topic here. Sorry for looking um, at the it was made of. No, no, it's fine. Um, so, yeah, it's about finding your trigger, but it's also about the fact that we've become so desensitized to media now. The thing that I always think about is, do you remember, like, at the start of COVID, when um, every day, well, this is in England anyway, every day um, they would announce the death count yeah and it would be a lot every day and at first it was like oh my god but then months went by and you'd just check your phone and it would be like another 
thousand people have just died. And it'd be like, okay, what's for breakfast? Do you know what I mean? You'd become disassociated with it and desensitized to it. I think for me, like, a personal problem with, like, ingesting the news and information that way would be that, like, I became very desensitized to it at a young age. Or, like, not desensitized, no. I should say I became very ignorant to it from a young age. My mum would watch the news every night when I was a kid. And I basically... It was hearing who'd been murdered, who'd been assaulted, who'd mm. been, you know, all these terrible crimes. So from a young age, I just learned to stop watching the news. I just gave up on it because mm. there was never any happy stories as far as I was concerned. Mm. So even if kind of now, let's say tomorrow, a huge story is published about how milk is, is killing us all, mm. I wouldn't see it because I've just shut off to the news. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's a good thing to be oblivious to it all. Like, I still see some information, but I get it from different sources now rather than watching the news. But I think, yeah, it's one of those things I've just shut off to because I don't want to know. I, I used to be like that, um, but it got to a point where, for me, guilt just resonates with me, so like I can't ignore things anymore. Um, I, I don't think I could physically... Um, like... like litter do you know what I mean yeah. I, I don't think I could physically litter and walk away and go about my day it would sit on my mind for the rest of my life like I would just be like but I can't believe I littered that, that one that time that comes from again like your childhood being instilled I'm sure your parents taught you it was bad to litter for me it was one time where I, I was with my dad and I was walking and I had a chocolate bar and I just chucked the wrapper on the floor and he turned to me and he just shouted at me so much that I remember it like 15 years later so I mean that obviously worked because now I don't litter um, but it's things like um, I don't swear because my grandma told me like you don't need to win an argument to swear and like that just resonated with me and I'm like okay I'll just not swear well, that's really weird like how how we take things that we learn in years so I was I never littered to have to learn the thing it was bad to litter I was just told that and I absorbed it and I listened to it mm. I was also told that swearing was like a bad thing you couldn't do it mm. and I didn't start swearing until I was like 15, 16 which I think especially where I'm from it was very late because there was kids searching like bad words on primary school computers mm. for entertainment um, and then I think it's just it depends where you're from and how strong willed and stubborn you are because now I swear quite regularly. I can switch mm. it on and off. I'm not one of those people that struggles with switching on and off. I don't think I've sworn this podcast without, like, or, or subconsciously. The only times I have is when I was consciously making a choice to call something, this phase of yeah. my life, you know, something with that in. Um, so I can switch it on and off, but it's one of those things. I don't know why eating meat, not littering, mm. murder is bad, and all this sort of stuck with me from childhood. But at age 15 and 16, I just went, right, I'm going to swear now, and I just do. Mm. I, I don't know how the brain works well enough to understand where we draw these lines of, okay, what's going to stick with me for life and what's not. Mm. Let's say maybe I had been raised vegan, okay? Would there have been a point where that would have stopped resonating with me and I'd have just gone, right, I'm going to eat meat now? Mm. I don't know. I, I don't know why certain things stick with us and others don't. I, I still would never litter. Like, I'd never think about doing it um, because it was taught to me as a child. But then, yeah, it was taught to me not to swear, and I do it all the time. Yeah. <laughs>
are similar people, but we do things for different reasons. Like, we both don't drink, but I feel like you don't drink for more health reasons, while, because you don't want to put it in your body, while I, it's more of like a mental and kind of, I don't know, society-influenced kind of thing. Um, but kind of going back to um, being disassociated from stuff, if you, if you think about you, you have watched so many films and you just made a horror film, so maybe seeing a chicken getting the head cooked, cut off is just something that your brain is just so used to. You're not kind of seeing the real meaning behind it. Maybe if you went into a slaughterhouse and you saw in real life, not through a screen, like a pig like getting its head chopped off in front of like the calves it's just given birth to. Like I feel like something that strong would could push you in a different direction. So the outcome of this podcast that I'm learning is I should plan a day trip to an abattoir. Yes. But you know what's interesting <laughs> is that um, I've spoken to a few people who study um, veterinary medicine here and it's like a six-year big course. One of the things they have to do is they have to do like a placement for a few weeks in a slaughterhouse. So my friend Annie, she's vegan and she is worried that she's going to have to do a few weeks in a slaughterhouse. Um, uh, another girl has just come, she's a vet intern, Alia. She had to do those weeks in a slaughterhouse. She's also vegan. And she said that when you go in, you have to sign so many disclosures saying that you will never film, you will never tell anyone what you've seen here. So the fact that our food is processed in such a way, in such secrecy, is should be a red flag straight away. Like, you don't go to, like, a broccoli farm and they're like, do not tell people how we make broccoli. Do you know what I mean? The fact that you have to sign things and you won't film and you won't tell people what you've seen to make um, pork is is a red flag. Yeah, I, I understand that. I also think maybe doing research could be important into this. Like, was this waiver that you have to sign to go in these slaughterhouses always a thing? Or was it brought on by the kind of the pushback from veganism and vegetarianism where people would try and expose these, you know, places for how horrible they are? And could that be the reason why this wave was introduced? It's something to research because if it's always been in place... The outcome is the same. Yes, yeah. They would be hiding the fact that it's horrific. If there was nothing to hide, you'd come out and say... I don't know if they are, though, because there's been so many people that have managed to get in there and film anyway Mm. that the footage is readily available online. You can YouTube it. Like, Mm. So clearly, I don't think it's a response to that. So maybe it has to be a response to something else. I don't know. Mm. But like I said, the videos are readily available. You can just search for them. Mm. Um, Yeah. Still, I'll I'll take my weekend at the abattoir. I'll I'll sign whatever pieces of paper I have to. But going back to your trigger, might, your your trigger might be more health because you care about health, mm. about what goes in your body. So maybe that angle in the future will be your trigger, and and you start to see that that meat is not good for you, and it creates diabetes and 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 cancer, mm. and it's just it's a bunch of information though, and you have to be really aware to process it all. Because again, so I'm taught from childhood that calcium is great for my bones. So every time I play football, I come home, have a glass of milk, like mm. recover. I'm taught that if I want to work out and go to the gym, like I need to put protein in. So I eat meat. I know mm. there's other sources of protein, obviously, like nuts and mm. eggs that I could abide by going vegetarian. 
or I don't, do eggs break vegetarianism or not? Eggs are—it's it, about the animal rather than the byproduct. Okay, so there are other ways. It's just one of those things I'm taught, and um, I, I think I've had this conversation with my dad before, where he was like. At some point, it will come out that these things aren't good. Like, they'll turn around and say, oh, the zinc that we've said is in your toothpaste that's amazing for your teeth. Mm. Turns out it's bad. So how long is it until there's a huge expose on how bad calcium is for us? Because, like, yeah, there's clearly some factual evidence out there. Like, you've provided some while we've talked now. But at the end of the day, the the huge, like, message behind milk is it is good for your bones. And... Off the top of my head, I can't think of another source of calcium that is as readily available as milk. And as far as I'm aware, we do need calcium. We do need calcium. That is a scientific fact. But the sources are interchangeable. Okay. You can get calcium. There's more calcium in oat milk than there is in cow's milk. Okay. Is that because they've pumped it full of calcium, though? Not naturally occurring? It is naturally occurring. Okay. But at the same time, you get you obviously going to get vegan brands that fortify their products with more to be more appealing to those. But it, it it's just you've got to sit back and think why. If, so, for example, the um, if you go to the doctor and you've got you're deficient in calcium, the NHS will prescribe you I don't know calcium tablets that have. Uh, milk powder and cow's milk powder or they'll say drink more milk because yes there is calcium in that but there's also calcium in other things it's just that so about 15 20 years ago um if i don't think it was that long ago basically that the, there was a bill brought forward to have um kind of updated um nutritional training for the nhs every seven years because science changes we learn more um about what's good for us and what isn't and how we can you know get what we need um and it was and it was declined it was rejected and for probably many reasons because um the government have assets in animal agriculture and it would probably cost money to provide this training and if we already know that we can get calcium from this you know, why change if you don't really care about it? But um, you can get calcium from other sources that are more friendly for the environment and the animals and our bodies. If you think... It's like saying um, you should drink wine because grapes are a fruit and they're good for you. There's it one good thing, but then 25 bad things. That's like cow's milk. Calcium is good, but it also has lots of fatty protein that is is so bad for you. But it's okay because we've got calcium. Do you know what I mean? There's also studies that have been done that followed people for like 20 years and those who drink cow's milk and those who don't. And there is no correlation with stronger bones or anything like that for those who regularly drink cow's milk. There's no scientific evidence in the world that shows you that cow's milk is good for you. So where did it come from originally then? It came from the war. So when the soldiers um, were out and they needed kind of uh, food and supplements and calcium. They bred a lot of cows um, to because we knew that you could get milk from cows, so they, they bred a lot of cows, and then suddenly they had so much milk, and then the war ended. So the government had 
uh, you know, too much of, of this product now. So that's when adverts started coming out in the 40s and 50s saying um, cow's milk makes your bones strong. And that has stuck for so long in our society because and that's where it came from. That's why... This is a very educational podcast. Yeah, I know my stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's where it came from. And it's only coming out now that we can get these things from other places that are better for you and more eco-friendly for the environment and and things like that. So, yeah, you've been raised in the last 20 years off the back of, of this information that isn't... Uh, 100%, you know, you, you just got to sit back and look about why we're being told these things. Um, and it's mostly because of money. You know, money is over everything. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know where, it, it's, it, where I go from here. Then. Veganism is about planting seeds. Yeah. I give you a little bit of information and you don't really think about it, but then you see something on your phone that triggers you again and then you see something on your TV and then you meet someone out who's also vegan and they kind of say the same thing and it starts to starts to to play in your mind and, 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 and grow. I get people who I've talked to six months ago who I said a little thing to and then they started to see videos on Instagram and they thought, okay, and then they messaged me six months later saying, oh, by the way, you know, I've given up this because I didn't know about this and it started to resonate with me. It's just finding out how we can get to this point because we need to for the world and for us and for the animals. So it's just finding a ways to different ways to get there, I think. Do you have any final thoughts? No, not not really. <laughs> I just every time we talk, I have more information, and I will just try and take that in and make more changes. So yeah, I'm gonna focus on milk. I'm gonna oat milk now. That's the plan. Um, I've tried doing this plan before. There are cartons of oat milk in my uh, fridge. Treat yourself to Oatly. Get like the top brands <sighs> of nice oat milk. Yeah. You know what I mean? But then, then as a financially struggling student or a recently financially struggling student okay. no no uh, it's one of those things like I know I swear I mentioned this last time about how my dad saw a video and so he stopped mm. drinking dairy and he bought almond milk but then it became too expensive so he had to go back mm. like at the moment my milk is costing me like £2 for four pints if I'm now paying like £4 for two pints of Oatly at some point I don't know which kicks in first my like human heart of like oh I need to stop drinking milk or my financial brain that's like I can't afford to do this right now. I I think living with you is going to be probably the best course of action because you'll have because those ready to not like steal from you but like it will be a case of if you ever cook I'm eating vegan. Yeah. And I know that we discussed briefly how you felt like sharing an oven with meat ears and stuff, so I know that if it goes wrong, I can still cook meat in the flat, but I think the persuasion is there to not do it mm. because, yeah, because I shouldn't. So mm. it's there. Like, if I do it, I don't expect you to be mad, but I know you're going to be inside, like, yeah, you just cook meat in the flat we share. Like, the smell's there. We share an oven. I don't know how fast things come off oven scents or whatever. Like, 
thing is, I'm 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 always torn between being a good friend and sticking with your morals. Ha- my morals because obviously you're my friend. I don't want to make you uncomfortable or make you feel bad for doing something. But at the same time, it's like if you if you just think of any other scenario, um, if I was, um, you know, if I was gay, and you regularly made homophobic comments, I'm not going to be like it's just him being him, you know, let him be him, because that would be wrong, and I feel like everyone would know that would be wrong. It's like I, I care about animals' lives. I can't sit by and watch you eat a dead animal. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's like that goes against what I believe in, and it upsets me that you're doing that. And but yeah, so but it's just about. I was gonna say it's about living together, but I don't believe that either because I said it in my last one that I watched a video of Piers Morgan saying like grilling a vegan and saying you know why can't. I let you eat vegan and you let me eat meat and we can all live happily ever after. But I can't do that because your actions affect me. You eating meat and contributing to that business is destroying the planet that I live on. It's it's causing a health epidemic because people eating meat, it's bad for them and it's causing... um, diseases and and it's putting a burden on the nhs that i rely on it's killing animals that i like and is good for the planet and you're harming people how can i sit by and say oh no yeah you carry on Mm. do you know what i mean get flat hunting yeah and we'll do a cohabitation part three when we live together oh it should be fun I'll try and find a place with two ovens or something. <laughs> yeah. The most expensive flight in Manchester. En suite and on kitchen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just uh, What about just two separate flats? That... Yeah, let's not live together. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>